To tie together the last couple messages with today, we have a short video clip. And uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, maybe you've heard of him or heard him. I hope you have. He is an amazing man of God who teaches the word very, very well. And he is also, next to me, my wife's favorite pastor, just so you know. Uh, so uh, we're going to listen to this clip because it really, like I say, as we're looking at this church at Ephesus and we're looking at the time we live in and the messages we've been hearing here in Ephesians, listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says as we are really assessing the time that we live in. And I apologize. I don't know how many now. years we have. Go ahead. Sorry. Have before all that's beginning right now will take hold in this culture. If something doesn't happen, the world we look at five years from now is not going to be anything close to the world we're experiencing. I pray to God there could be an intervention. I think it's possible. But what if it isn't true? What if we face a world that is totally against us, that sees us as people who don't have the right to exist? The way we withstand all of that is by becoming strong in our faith. That's why I've told you, get in a small group, serve somebody, whatever you do, come to church. We need to prepare ourselves to be the people of God for whatever's coming at us down the pike. And when we do that, no matter what happens, let them come. We'll stand in unity together with our hands up high. We'll praise God. And uh, we will be what we started out to understand at the beginning of this message. We will be a lighthouse on the shore of darkness. And you know what? The darker it gets, the more we stick out. And the greater influence we have. And I've said this to you before, but I believe it with all my heart. The light that shines the furthest has to shine the brightest at home. If we keep our light shining brightly, if we don't let bad doctrine get into our church, if we don't get corrupted by the culture which surrounds us, if we stand strong in our faith, God will use this church as a mighty lighthouse in a dark world for many years to come. We are the light of the world. The Word of God is sufficient. The truth is available to all who will seek it. And whenever air comes along, just hold up the truth. Can I get an amen? All right. So, you guys know I was on vacation week before last. And typically for me, it's a time just to kind of be quiet, listen to God, what He has to say. And typically he has something for me to to hear and so we'd had all week and I was like Friday morning I'm usually at the beach or at the pier for sunrise and and I'm there on the pier for sunrise and and I said you know Lord it's been a good week and we've enjoyed it but I I haven't there's nothing you've really given me and guess what he still didn't (laughs) not like he's obligated but so we come back on Saturday and last Sunday morning, I'm in the sunroom just spending a little time in prayer before the, coming for the service. And God began to give me this sweet little download. And it was just precious. And, and I, I love how God works because right in the middle of it from Sam Thomas, our friend from India, he sends me the clip of Dr. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah. And I thought, oh, that is so perfect. It's fitting right in where we are, that we are the light. And and for us, and and as we 
walk through these verses here in the book of Ephesians that how we can make the difference and see they were going through difficulty they were going through trial and yes we are too is it at the same level not necessarily at the moment but it can become that but in the process of what we've been sharing with you from this book and now as we get to chapter 5 and then move into chapter 6 and when he said it's really important that it be here at home. And so as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit that's revealed in chapter 5, and then it immediately goes into marriage, and then it goes into family, because that's crucial. That's why we do things like we do, like grace marriage that we have, and the family focus weekend that's coming up. Have you not signed up for that? Okay. Raise your hand if you've already signed up. Raise your hand if you'd really like to sign up. Raise your hand if you don't know what the heck we're talking about. (laughs) Family Focus Weekend, Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and some of their children, they have nine of them, will be here ministering that Friday night, that Saturday morning, and then Sunday morning. And it's, there's something for everybody. We're having stuff for the kids. The, they'll be taken care of. But there's also something for all of us to learn and grow. Um, I do hope that none of you think you have arrived. If you have, come talk to me. I can chop you off at your knees. No, I'm just kidding. We, we haven't arrived. There's always something more that God wants to do for us and show us. And, and particularly in this area of family, because family's under attack continually in our world today in ways that, that I never even dreamed of when I was a kid growing up or even in our marriage early on, raising our kids. There's so much attack on the family. So that's why we invest as we do in times like this. So please, please, I'm asking you as one of your leaders, go online, sign up, plan to be a part of this time. I promise you, you will not be disappointed, but you will be blessed. And that's why we do those things, because just like Dr. David Jeremiah said, it starts here. It starts with us. We have to make that choice, that decision. But as we go into Ephesians chapter 5, and Bill started there last week, the real part of that is there's a contrast that he starts out with, that was the scripture that Bill shared last week, and now we're moving it farther on in uh, chapter 5. There's this contrast of what it means <clears throat> to walk in the Spirit. And to, to walk in the Spirit means to be filled with the Spirit, and to be filled with the Spirit simply means to be controlled by the Spirit. And, and by the way, that's not just... You know, as we've said so many, many times here on Sunday morning, because you have an hour, hour and a half and we can come and we can know the language. Um, Even as an unbeliever growing up, I could do that. As a young adult, as an unbelieving young adult, uh, I could go home from my military service and, and for the service, you know, our church service on Sunday, I could go and I could sing the songs and, and listen to the message and whatever, and I would walk out as lost as I came in. So I know that it's possible for people to even be here today who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. It is our heart cry and our desire that every person have that relationship. But Paul is talking about in this relationship now with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that was sung about earlier, the Holy Spirit is the one that kind of 
gets us grounded into the truth because wisdom is the application of the truth that God gives us through his word. It's the doing of it. That's why James says to be doers of the word and not hearers only because if you hear the word and don't do the word, then you're living in what? Self-deception and how tragic that is that so many live in that because we're we're aware of the word, we're we're okay with it, but it's but if it comes down to the nitty gritty of making a difference in my home life, my family life, in my marriage, or at work, then that's when we have to really determine are we truly in this for God, or are we just playing the game as it were? And that's never what God wants. So let's look at what it is. Therefore be careful how you walk. Not as an unwise man, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. See, we're living in those evil days, in those latter days. That's a reality of our time. We didn't choose this, but think about it. God did. God chose us. I mean, can you not get excited about that? That of all the generations, God's chosen us to live in this time in history where we can make such an amazing difference if we'll simply... Let him have his place in our lives the way he desires. So be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise men. In other words, take the time to know what the word of God says. And then with the help of the Holy Spirit, apply that to your life every day and every circumstance. And be amazed at what God does and what he can do and is so wanting to do for all of us. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'm going to tell you a story. First pastor. Some of you have been here while you've heard this one. I'm at Kingsburg Baptist Church down below Florence, South Carolina, three miles outside of Johnsonville, South Carolina. And when I get there, we have an adult Sunday school teacher. Congregation is about 40 people. And I sit in his class, and I realize something ain't kosher, and I'm not even Jewish. And so, benefit of the doubt, the next week, I sit in his class again. Still, it's still not kosher. So, I made an appointment to stop by his house, and we sit down, and we had our you know, I'm new, just moving in, and he lives, as a matter of fact, one of my closest neighbors. And I said, I just want to ask you a few questions about the last couple Sundays that I've been in your class and some of the things you've been teaching. I said, I, and I'm, by the way, you have to understand, I'm like 24 years old. He's, you know, 40s, 50s, he's an old guy, you know. And so I asked him a question. I said, so I, I just, let me, let me ask you this question. We can go from there. I said, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? He says, no, I don't. Why? I said, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those things. I'm a new pastor. I'm young and dumb. And I'm thinking, how in the world could you teach the adult Sunday school class in this church if you don't even believe this is the word of God? He goes, he says, well, that's simple. He said, my mother was the organist for years and years, and she always wanted me to teach a Sunday school class. And so when he came open, I took the job. <laughs> 
Well, he got fired that day. It didn't go well in the church because here's this new young pastor who's creating problems by firing the only person who was willing to teach that class. Uh, And so as a result, of course, I ended up teaching that class. But I want to go back to that particular church because in the midst of that is God was obviously growing me because I'm so young and immature and trying to get things figured out. Sheila and I were talking about this morning how young and dumb we were. And the church had a history. And in the history and the protocol of that church, you could only have what they call the in-gathering once a year. Now, for those of you who haven't been Baptist or been involved in evangelical churches for long, revivals and crusades have been a big part of our history for years and years. But this church still hung on to its own history where once a year in August, they would have what they call the in-gathering, which meant you could have an evangelistic speaker who would share the gospel of Jesus Christ and hopefully and prayerfully somebody would come to know God or they would come into the church. But they weren't expecting that any other time of the year. Now, again, for those who haven't been through the process, when you go to school for ministry, they don't tell you that the people you're going to minister to don't read the same books you read. And in the case that I just mentioned, they don't even always believe the Bible that you believe or understand. So here we are. And this time is coming up. I go through the first year and we have a few things. But the second year, God was just putting stuff on my heart. And, and we had this older deacon in the church. And uh, he said, you know, he said, my hometown down in Georgia, I can't remember the name of the town. He said, my hometown down in Georgia, there's a guy down there. He said, he's a converted alcoholic. Said he's a house painter. He's a converted alcoholic. And said, God is just blessing him as he preaches. Why don't we invite him to come up here and preach for our week of revival or in-gathering? I called the guy, talked to him on the phone. I was impressed. We set the dates. We got everything worked out. And so now we're moving toward that. His name is James Beecham. Great guy. And to get ready and to advertise in our community, we decided to put a big sign out in front of the church. A big sign being four by eight. It was no billboard. Okay. Piece of plywood. And so the same deacon said, I got the wood at my house. If you'll come and, and make it and paint it, you know, put the base coat on, then we'll get the ladies to put the lettering on. So that's a great idea. Well, what we didn't count on was humidity. Have you noticed we have some of that here? We had it there too. That paint would not dry. The ladies are waiting to letter it, put revival in the times, even the dates on it. And that white paint would not dry. So here we are now. The first day that we're going to have service and we got this white piece of plywood. And we also said we would have morning classes and I would teach the morning classes. So that morning, we haul that piece of plywood to the back of the church, our little church there on 378, and the ladies show up. Well, in the meantime, our chairman of deacons, Olin Marsh, wonderful man of God, had a daughter-in-law who's very artistic. And so I went to visit her. She was not attending our church. His son did not attend our church, but she was artistic. And I told her, I said, we're painting a sign and we need your help. We're running late. 
would you be willing to come and help Sheila, my wife Sheila, paint the sign? In other words, we stood it up so they could paint on both sides and try and get this thing done because we're literally starting our service that night. Okay, we weren't doing newspaper ads. We were not doing radio ads. We were just counting on the sign out in front of the church to advertise our gathering. And she agrees. And she comes. And we start early in the morning. And it takes seemingly forever to paint. It came time for the Bible study. I just got up in the back of the pickup truck and started teaching the scripture while the ladies and the other folks who showed up in the backyard of the church. And I just taught from the back of the pickup truck. And we just kept going. And they kept painting. Well, finally, Patricia says, this is the lady, I'm done. Patricia Patricia Marsh is her name. She passed away a few years ago. And her sons have told us that they're carrying on her ministry in their community. Anyway... We had this retired Sunday school teacher. She was our substitute organist. Poor Miss Cora. God love her. She couldn't play with a hoot. (laughs) But she was our clutch. When Hattie Mae King, our organist, couldn't play, Miss Cora would graciously agree to play as best she could. And she did. And so she says, you know what? We're out there in the backyard and it's starting to get hot. She says, you know, if Hattie doesn't come, maybe I should go in and practice some. I said, I think that's a great idea, Miss Cora. She went in the church. And you have to understand our church, I don't know why it was built up so high, but it was up high. The back steps were like this, and there was no railing, no code, no railing. Just concrete steps. So she goes in, and she's playing, and we can hear her playing. And Patricia says, I'm done. And she's standing, she goes, I'm going to go listen to Miss Cora. Okay, great idea. So she takes off. And we're out there finishing up. And all of a sudden, the back door of the church comes flying open. Kabam! Hits the wall of the church. And here's Miss Cora, this retired Sunday school teacher who is not really agile, coming off the top step like this. I mean, she is in full run. And she's running. How she survived those steps to this day, I don't know, but she did. She hit the ground and she is crying. And I said, what is going on? She goes, it's Patricia. It's Patricia. I'm thinking, did she die? You know, what happened? This woman's got three small boys. What's, what's happening? And, and Miss Cora says, she wants to be saved and I don't know how to do it. So I go in the church and here's Patricia Marsh on the altar. She is weeping. This young woman that we visited and tried to minister to, and she'd always shut us down. She is just weeping and weeping and weeping. And here we are in our church building, and I'm looking around. I left my Bible in the back of the pickup truck. There's no Bible. I'm running around all the rooms. I finally find a Bible. I come down. I sit down beside her. And she's just weeping and weeping. And I open the Bible. And I go through the scripture of salvation. And I look at her. And I said, do you understand? She goes, no, I don't understand. She just keeps crying and crying. I'm thinking, okay, God. Now, you have to understand. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was back then, okay? But he was working. I said, let me try this again. John 3, 16. So I did John three sixteen, But I changed it. And I said, for God so loved Patricia 
that he gave his only begotten son. She went, what? What did you say? Now, I'm stunned. What did I say? Oh, I know. God so loved Patricia that he gave his son. She goes, are you telling me that God gave his son for me? I said, absolutely. He gave his son for you. She said, I never knew that. I said, would you like to receive God's son Jesus into your heart right now? She said, oh, absolutely. And she prayed this beautiful prayer there at the altar at Kingsford Baptist Church. We go put the sign up. James Beecham rolls in. Just a delightful. He has, he has no training. All, all he had was the Holy Spirit. And so we're talking, and I'm telling him what happened that morning. I'm so excited as a young pastor to have witnessed that um, that miracle. And so that night, we're sitting up on the platform, as, you know, the tradition is or was. And Patricia comes in not only by herself, but she brings her husband and her three sons. Now, this man, James Beecham, has never been in our community before. He only knew the deacon and his wife He hadn't not even met me until that day. And we're sitting up there, and they come in, and he leans over and he says, that's the woman who accepted Christ today, isn't it? Well, now I'm really impressed. I said, absolutely. I said, how can you tell? He said, because the glow of God is all over her. And I'm I'm sharing this story with you because that was the beginning of what God was doing to show us who the Holy Spirit was and how he worked. Because I didn't know that. I wasn't raised in that. I wasn't taught that as as a, even in school, I wasn't taught that. And so that night, we start our service. And it goes on for like two or three hours. And people are accepting Christ. And as... It's, I mean, it's like, this is God at work. I'd never seen this. I'd read about it, but I'd never seen it. In fact, it's in the book of Acts. And so we get done that night. We just all gather on the altar and pray and praise God for the people saved. And y'all come back tomorrow night. Bring somebody with you. And they did. <laughs> and I asked uh, a local um, gentleman, a business guy who was really good at sharing his testimony I said, how about come share your testimony and he, did, and he did and he gets up and preaches for an hour by the way, just so you know, if you're invited to give your testimony don't preach for an hour but, it, but the Holy Spirit was on this thing and he preached for an hour and me and James Beecham are still sitting up on the platform and I looked at him and he looked at me and he said what do we do? I said, well he gave the gospel, let's do an invitation so we did the invitation, and people came down and accepted Christ. And we were ministering, we were doing an altar call, and just, it was crazy good. And I looked at James Beach, and I said, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm here to preach. I'm going to preach too. So he gets up and goes at it. And these people stayed on the altar the whole time. In fact, when, they, when we got done, they had lost the circulation in their legs. We had to help them up. And he gets done preaching, and more people come. And you have to understand, this is not some big church. This is God moving in this little church and small community that we're a part of. And that went on all week. In fact, we would close the service out, and people would be looking at their watch. 
my watch is broken. There's no way we've been here this long. That didn't happen. And we'd have other people who would go to the back door to leave and they'd come running back. I say, what's wrong? They said, oh no, you don't understand. I just realized if I step out that door unsaved, I may die and go straight to hell. Would you tell me how to know Jesus? Now you got to understand for a young pastor, this is pretty cool stuff. Okay. You know, the stuff you get to read about and hear about and now we're experiencing because this is the spirit of God working so that we're not foolish. Now, again, I would not even pretend to tell you that I understand everything that God did that week. But one thing I did note that week was amazing. The offering. We're this little bitty church. This huge offering comes in. And we're not really pressing it. We're not guilting anybody. We're just, you know, here, if you want to give, give. So all that to say for us today, as we walk out and understand what the will of the Lord is, as we walk into this as we should be, every day he will do for us in us and through us supernatural amazing amazing works of god during that week in that little church we had as many people come to know christ as we had membership it was god and it wasn't a big community like i say it was god and so to get to see that so then I'm trying to grow and learn in this process, and, and God is being very, very patient with me. I'm so grateful that he is. And he says, the scripture says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, <laughs> the contrast between the first part of this chapter which says do not let excuse me do not let immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you because that's not proper among the saints there must be no filthiness now listen carefully no filthiness no silly talking a coarse jesting, because that is not fitting, but rather thanksgiving. Not to be covetous, not to be idolater, because that is an indication, a revelation of the fact that you're really not in Jesus. No matter what you've said, no matter what you've done. You say, well, that doesn't even seem right or fair. But he goes on and says, as we're seeing the scripture here, when the Spirit of God has come in your life, and the Spirit of God comes in your life the moment you accept Christ. But as we go through life, particularly if we find ourselves going towards sin, We grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, and he withdraws. He's still in us, but he withdraws his power. And also, here's the cool part. As we go through life and we are serving God as we should, remember Jesus going and he's going somewhere, and he all of a sudden stops and there's a crowd around him. He says, who touched me? Who touched my garment? And this lady very... 
fearfully says, it was me. Because she's had this issue of blood for 12 years and she can't get healing no matter what she's gone through. And she said, if I can just touch his garment. And she does and she is healed. And Jesus said, I felt the power go out of me. Listen, when we're doing life like we should with God and we're doing ministry like we should, the power is going to go out of us. That's why it is so important, as it says, not to be drunk with wine because the way you stay drunk is you keep drinking. The way you stay filled is you keep partaking of the Holy Spirit. Every day, get up and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to manifest His fruit, to manifest His gifts in your lives so that as you do family life and as you do work life, because this is how this moves on as we go through this, and it's quite a bit of Scripture, then that's how it's possible. It is impossible. Listen to me carefully. It is impossible possible for me to be a child of God, a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a pastor without the Holy Spirit having his place in my life to bring glory to my father and to truly, truly acknowledge Jesus as my head. It's impossible. It was never intended by God. Somewhere along the way, we seem to have gotten that message and gotten it confused. But it it really is the Spirit of God working in us that enables each of us to be all that God desires and designs us to be. And the very purpose for which we are here on planet Earth. And when we say that, that's not because God has put everybody in ministry. No, where you are is your ministry. There's no division between secular and sacred for those of us in Christ. Wherever we are, that's ministry. It doesn't matter. Because the Holy Spirit is to have his place in our lives. And look what it says. When you're filled, you're going to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Can you imagine... And I hope you can. If you're just kind of having a bad day, and I'm talking to the married folks right now, just kind of having a bad day, and you want to be a little bit grumpy, you know, because we we think we're entitled to that somehow. I'm not sure how that gets in there, but it does. We're entitled to be grumpy, you know. I'm having a bad day. Things aren't going my way. In other words, what we're talking about is me, 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 my, my, my. I want it, I want it. And we encounter our spouse and they are so filled with the Spirit. They're just praising God. They're just honoring God. I guarantee you it will shut down your grumpiness in a heartbeat. If you'll let the same Spirit of God fill your life and bring that transformation that He so desires all of us to have. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wait a minute. This this says this. I keep pointing to a blank screen because I'm accustomed to it. This says this. Always giving thanks for all things. In other words, Whatever we're going through, we can believe that our God is a sovereign God and he's working in ways that maybe we don't understand, particularly when we go through tragedy and we go through loss and we go through difficulty and we're thinking, how can this in any way, how can this in any way glorify Father? How can this help me grow and mature? Well, have you ever thought about the cross of Jesus Christ? 
And what that was? And now every one of us who's in Christ today and every person who will come to know Christ and every person who has known Christ that now are in eternity with him, that that tragedy, that pain, that suffering of Jesus was what allowed that to happen. And that's why my life and your life is to be different as we live our life here on planet Earth. Because I'm going to tell you, having done this now as a pastor for a few years, I'm amazed at the immaturity of the church. He hurt my feelings. She hurt my feelings. You know what they said? I don't care. No, no, sorry. What does God say? Now, don't be the one who's hurting people's feelings. Don't be the grump. And don't be the complainer. And don't be the gossiper. And certainly don't be the immoral person. What is it God is doing in your life as you go through whatever it is you encounter so that you can reveal that you are the light and the salt? And that you're doing all this because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. In the fear of Christ, that means to be in such awe of Him, in such reverence of him that we know he is first and so my life and my lifestyle is going to reflect the very fact that I love him with all my heart all my mind all my soul and then we come to wives remember it just moves right into the family wives be subject to your own husbands as in the Lord For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. It's an order that God set in place because he created us. He knows how this is supposed to work. And I can promise you, without exception, you flip this sucker upside down and you'll pay for it. You will. You'll pay for it. Wives say, ha, hi. I ain't objected myself to him. He's a jerk. Well, husbands, don't be a jerk. But wives, I'm sorry. And I didn't, I didn't order the scripture. Wonder why God started with you guys. Hmm. Kind of makes you think. It does me anyway. Because the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Again, I appreciate the fact um, we had it in grace marriage, and of course we've taught it for years and years. People who go into a marriage and think it's a 50-50 proposition. You want to doom your marriage? Think about it as a 50-50 proposition. No, each of you give 100%. And then you will have closer to what God has for you. But if you try the 50-50 thing, it'll never work. Oh, by the way, husbands, you're not off the hook. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what? Gave himself. In other words, husbands, be a giver, not a taker. We men can be so selfish and so stingy. Jesus gave his life for the church to have life. 
And I promise you this, guys. If you love your wife the way Christ loves the church, you will not be disappointed. I promise you. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Man, I want to do everything I can do for my wife to know the fullness of Christ and what that is and how I walk that out with her and for her because I'm doing it for him first, but for her as well. It just plays out so well. Husbands, you love your wife as you love your own self. (laughs) Don't think we don't love ourselves. Just because we don't put on makeup don't mean we don't want to love ourselves. Because we do. For he who loves his own wife loves himself, and no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are the members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It's a mystery. Isn't it cool? It's a mystery. It's a great mystery. But he says, I'm speaking in reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each of you, each individual among you also to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. You want life good? This is God saying, this is, I designed this thing. I set this in place. I made it all possible. And it's only possible when we allow the Holy Spirit of God to have his place in our lives. That's, that's when it's possible. So how do you get it? That's the question, isn't it? How do you get it? Would you all stand, please? We're told in the scripture that we have not because we ask not. So how do you get it? You ask the Holy Spirit to do that work. And here's the really, really exciting thing about the Holy Spirit having the fullness. And by the way, the language there where it says, don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's continuous. That means continually be filled because it is necessary, as I talked about, if we have sin, we're grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. If we're ministering, we're, the power is going to touch other people and help other people. So we have to have that continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Just ask him for it. We're just going to have a quiet time right now. And you get to make your choice. You can just take this time and say, Holy Spirit, I just need that fresh filling. It isn't that he's not there. He came there. Uh, the moment you accepted Christ, he lives there. But because of our life and what we go through, that presence can be diminished, and it doesn't have to be. So I'm going to be quiet just for a moment. You pray, and then I'm going to pray for all of us. Holy Spirit. You know every person who's here. You know every life. I just ask you now, 
in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the ancient of days, to come and fill every one of us afresh and anew. And where sin has been, you will eradicate and fill. Where there has been service and diminishing of power, you will replenish. And that this, as a body of people who are now living in these evil times, and we are so crucial to be used by you to minister to our world and be that light in the darkness. We are so grateful for the privilege and the honor and the opportunity. And we now thank you for the empowering and the enabling to be all that you desire, all that we are to be for you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching each one of us as Father's heart desires. The kingdom in heaven, here on earth, just like it is there. Thank you, God, for changing, transforming all of us every day into the likeness of your Son through your work, Holy Spirit. Touching every family where there's difference and grief and difficulty. And there's healing. There's growing. There's maturing. There's blessing. We praise you. For this and now in Jesus' name, we bless everyone. Amen. Thank you guys so very much.